Okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm I'm say a word. Y'all tell me the opposite. Okay, you ready? Participation time. My family's not here today, so y'all gotta help me out. Okay, uh, my extended family. Salvation defined. And so um, I, I hope that you will still receive a blessing from it today. 
uh, as we go uh, get right into it. So the first verse, verse 8, says this, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. Okay? Now, interestingly enough, the idea of a Savior to this audience in, in Ephesus would have been very familiar to them. Okay? Because of Julius Caesar. Y'all have to read that in school or anything or we old William Shakespeare wrote, you know, uh, wrote about wrote about him, did the whole thing about him. And, um, but there was a um, the, there was an inscription, uh, there was a statue honoring Julius Caesar um, that was probably still standing at the time when when the Ephesians was written, right? And the end of the inscription says that he was the quote universal savior of human life. End quote. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and so I know that old William Shakespeare wrote about him, but he was far from being the universal savior of human, uh, of human life. Amen. We know who that was. Uh, Jesus, John 14, told him, uh, 14, 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I, we talked about that last week. And so now, uh, let's uh, go ahead and just uh, line up to that one and then to the next one. All right. So what salvation is. What salvation is. And so I mentioned this also last week, and I'm sorry that I keep kind of saying that. And, uh, it's just, you know, but um, the verb tense of that word saved means you are saved at some point in the past, and you're also now in a state of being saved, all right, of continuing salvation. Uh, salvation is more than simply forgiveness, okay? It is the deliverance from death. It's remember this, what we talked about back in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, uh, what we were enslaved to, you know, to the world, to Satan, to, to our flesh. All right. And so salvation is the, is the deliverance from those things. Amen? And think about uh, what, you know, I had you guys really think about um, our uh, pre-salvation experience, our lives as zombies. And, how, and it was a somber sermon, but it was, you know, hopefully we all thought about, man, the impact of that. And, and I think it's good to really think about that from time to time, of, of how God saved me, like the guy that we read about today. All I know is that I can see. I don't know what happened, but I can see you know, and, and he, he saved my eyesight, so to speak. And so let's look back a little bit at, at verses 1 through 3 at the beginning of this chapter that we did a few weeks ago. It says, and you were dead. This was us, okay? This is before Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Verse 3, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. That was our existence. Okay? But God saved us from those things. Okay? So salvation, if you're taking notes, if you're you know, under what salvation is, there are three things that salvation is. Okay? By grace, number two, through faith. Number three is a gift. It's a gift. All right? So first, by grace. All right? We have sung about the amazing grace. Right? We love that song. It's still one of my favorite songs. Uh, and it truly is amazing. Okay? The fact that a righteous God gave his son to die on a cross for someone as wretched as me, I, it just you know, it really blows my mind. Some have referred uh, to, to the word grace as God's undeserved favor, God's unmerited favor. And that, that's a good definition, you know. Um, and, but I still don't think it, it really captures the idea communicate, communicated here in Ephesians. See, it's more than God's undeserved favor. It's God's undeserved, immense favor toward those of us who deserve his wrath. Okay? And, and I mentioned that before, but it's not like a neutral thing. It's not like we were neutral in this. We deserve wrath because of our sin. Okay? 
Uh, and so when uh, when you think of it that way, it, 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 it adds merit to it. Whenever we say we're not deserving, then what does that mean? I mean, uh, I don't know if, if they, I think the kids now say there's levels to this. You know, uh, anybody ever uh, got graded on a curve in high school or college? You know, a curve is, a curve takes the number, you know, it takes the highest grade, all right, and say it's a 91, so they give you 91 to 100, that's nine. And so, you know, the teacher just has about nine points to add, right? Well, it may not mean much to somebody with a 91, all right, because they still have an A, but somebody with a 51 is now passing, all right? Okay, now, I know I know that's not how God's grading goes, right? I, 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 of course, we know that, okay? Jimmy's like, I was always in the 51, I'm going to not. Um, but, you know, of course, we know God's rating scale was either 100 or not, okay? All right? Uh, because God, God requires uh, perfection. That's why Jesus had to die in the place, okay? But I just well, I was trying to just make the point to you. There's levels uh, to this. Um, S.M. Ball, a great theologian, pointed out, it is not just undeserved, as if the people whom God betrays were neutral, okay? Um, it is act, an act of immense favor bestowed on those who lie under God's just condemnation as transgressors and sinners. Um, hence, a better, quick definition is God's favor despite human demerit. Yeah, are y'all understanding what I'm saying? I mean, it's hard. Uh, it, it, it's simple, yet it's profound at the same time. It's more than just the fact that we're just neutral. We deserve favor. Right? And he saves us in by his grace. That, that's what grace is. Right? It wasn't that we just deserved uh, some, some bad stuff. No, we deserved it. <laughs> and Jesus, by his grace, saves us. It's God's awesome favor in spite of ourselves. Listen to 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We'll look at that later on. It was all part of God's plan. Amen. The word grace is one of Paul's favorite terms. He's used it over 100 times in his letters, a hundred times. In fact, uh, it is used about 150 times in the whole New Testament, but Paul uses it a hundred times. Right, so grace is a big thing for him. It's a big thing. Uh, and it makes sense when you think about Paul's life, right? And, and where he came from. And him, you know, killing Christians, and, you know, and then but God saving him. You know, he, he, he got it. He understood it. The point is, we don't deserve it. Amen? We don't deserve it. Number two, through faith. Okay? So by grace, through faith, and I saw that, I saw some uh, illustration this week that was really, really good, and I'll share it with you in a minute, but faith, okay, the instrument that brings us empty-handed to God, okay, is faith. It's a complete trust in God, knowing that he's in control, amen? It's a trust. Um, have you guys ever played with a water hose in the, in the yard? Well, pretty much all play with water hose in the yard, right? right? Um, yeah. so I, had, I had grandparents that, that, uh, that bathed in water hose, right? Well, twice a week. cheaper too but anyway um i like um i really really like this illustration okay you think of water flowing through a hose right so i have a picture you know turn that water hose and i'm about to spray uh, jimmy with it all right and and you know if you're here i gotta pick on you all right um the water the water okay represents grace right um the hose represents faith the water is the important part right the water is the important part but it is communicated through the hose does that make sense? I thought that was a really good illustration. The hose does not quench our, our, our thirst. 
I can chew on a hose. It's not going to make me, make me, uh, not going to quench my, my thirst. Uh, the water does, but the hose brings water to the place you can benefit from. Right? Uh, David Gusick had that illustration. I thought it was great. Uh, Curtis Vaughn says, faith is a hand that receives the gift. We receive the gift. Uh, faith is the humble trust with which we receive grace for ourselves. It's the simple act of accepting the gift. Okay? Um, and I, I, Matt and Amy's not here today, but they gave me a gift, and, and Sally a gift uh, for, for doing a wedding. You know, they gave me a, it was a shirt, a really cool shirt. They gave me tomorrow, probably. You know, um, and, and, but it wasn't mine until I, I said, okay, I'll take that. Right? This is a matter of accepting. The first Peter verse one, chapter 1, verse 5 says, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to reveal in the last time. Through faith. Right? And so it's by grace, through faith. And it's a gift. It's a gift. Uh, my favorite gift growing up, and I don't know if mom is going to watch this later, and I, I should have probably guessed this. My favorite gift growing up was a Miami Dolphins bicycle. Right? I love that thing. Yeah? And I, I rode that thing all over the place. And the, in the Christmas morning, we would always, after we opened our gifts at our house, we would always go to Grand's house, which actually is right, is right by my house where I live now. Okay, it was a couple miles, three or four miles away. Right? And it was really cold that morning, that Christmas morning, but I didn't care. Right? And my mom was like, you sure you want to ride the bicycle all the way to Grand's? Yes, ma'am, I'm riding it all the way to Grand's. All right, I didn't care how cold it was, riding that bike because I was proud of it. I love that gift, right? So uh, it's, you know, I think we all can think of gifts that you, that you really, really uh, liked and enjoyed. Uh, but again, a gift is not something that we earn. It wouldn't be a gift then, right? It wouldn't be a gift if it's something that we earn. Um, and Romans 6.23, I've said this many, many times from this pulpit because, I, I, you know, it's so true. It's one of my favorite verses. For the wages of sin is death. So what we earn, the wages that we get, right, from what we've done, the deeds we've done, is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift, what we don't earn from God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? That's a wonderful blessing. Amen to that. It's something that is genuinely given to someone else, and uh, it, it's nice to get uh, those kind of gifts and to give them. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I thought that gift they gave me the day was really cool. Sometimes though, I've gotten some gifts that weren't that great. I hate to say that. Don't, don't hate me. I can't say some of the ones I've gotten because I'm so afraid somebody might hear it and be like, "Oh, I gave that one." Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it reminds me of some things that, that people say about gifts that they don't like. I saw this the other day. Like, uh, well, well, well. Now. There's a gift. Or, um, uh, no, really, I didn't know that there was a chia pet tie. A chia pet tie. Oh wow, it's a clip on too. <laughs> wow. Or uh, you know what? I, I'm going to find a special place to put this. <laughs> Y'all laughing about that? Y'all done that? Or boy, you don't see crafty shit like that every day. Um, or two more. Uh, you say that was the last one? Oh, am I glad that you snapped that baby up? <laughs> or um, you shouldn't have. No, no, really, I mean it. You, you really shouldn't have. <laughs> anyway, um, but salvation is not that type of gift. Amen. It's uh, salvation from hell, from death to life, and it's the best gift you could ever receive. Amen. It reminds me of Jesus and the woman at the well. Right? Uh, John 4, verses 6 and 10. Uh, you'll see it on the screen. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. He wasn't even really supposed to be there according to that culture at that time. It was about noon, uh, and the woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God 
the gift of God who is saying to you, give me a drink. You would ask him and he would give you living water. And then you grow as uh, and some of y'all know the rest of that story. But again, if you knew the gift of God, Jesus says it right there. If you knew the gift, all right, that, that God gives you uh, through me, really. Oh, it's, it's worth it. But you got to receive it. It's not yours until you accept it. That's the faith part. Okay? John 1, verses 12 to 13, the same book of John. Uh, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of natural descent or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. But to all who did receive him. Just got to receive it. Just got to accept it. And I think it's important to note that it's not something that we earn. And, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute because this is where um, it gets really tough on people. Okay? Um, it's simply receiving the gift offered to you. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. So again, in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul describes what salvation is. We've already done that. What salvation is not. That's next. And then what salvation looks like. Okay? And I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of the time today. All right? So you know, try not to hold me, up, hold me to 10, uh, 11. All right? Um, all right? I'm not going to make a 12 o'clock joke today. All right? Mr. Tom is tired of that one. But all right. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Okay, again, when you put this together, this is where I'm sure some of you can quote this, okay, because uh, you have it by memory. For you are saved by grace through faith, and that is, this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Amen? Not from works. And so number two, what salvation is not. Is not, like, the, you know, when we did the opposites earlier, right? See, two things salvation is not. There's two things. It's not from ourselves, and it's not from works. And it's simple, but it needs to be preached because, I mean, I don't have anything want to ask a show of hands here, but I'm sure either you or you know somebody who have, who have thought it was from ourselves, right? Or from the works I do, right? or that we've done. And so it's simple uh, a sermon today, but I, I think it's also uh, a very important course it's in the Word as we go through it. See, salvation is the Latin term. I was never a Latin you know, guy or anything, but I do like this. Salvation is two things, all right, uh, that we talked about today. It's sola gratia, which means grace alone. Okay, sola means alone. And sola fide, which means faith alone. It's grace alone and faith alone. Uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Humans contribute nothing of their own to this salvation. Nothing. And Romans 3, verses 24 through 25 says, They are justified freely by His grace, freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presenting Him as mercy by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of His restraint. God passed over the sins previously committed. It wasn't anything we did. God did that. Okay? Uh, God, and we were justified by His grace through His redemption. Our sins passed over. He did that. We didn't do that. Okay? And now, for the first part, not from ourselves. So as I mentioned Many times before, this is a stumbling block for many people in these heads. We, you know, we, we're encouraged to be type A people, and you know, you can do everything you want, and put, just put your mind to it. You know, we're encouraged to be the captain of our souls and the masters of our faith, right? Um, but no matter how hard you work, or how talented you are, or how intelligent you are, even somebody that's genuine, like this pretty, pretty smart guy, right? Amen. Did I get an email? All right? You cannot save yourself from the wrath of God. You can't. You can't, no matter how hard you try, try. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 says, It is not that we are competent in ourselves. This is how I love this scripture. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything that's coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from who? It's from God. Everybody says it right there. Work from human effort does not contribute to salvation. 
It's, it's sola gratia, sola fide. It's grace and faith alone. Right? Now, next one, not from works. I, I, I mentioned to you before that, that uh, this is the one that got me. I've said this several times from this pulpit. This is one, I, I was an A student. I, I want to make an A. If I didn't make an A, I would be so upset. You know, uh, and, and I want to do exactly what the coach told me. And, uh, you know, I was a, a, a kind of a people pleaser. I tried to do good things and all that, but that, those things didn't save me. They couldn't save me. Right? Um, that was frustrating for a while because we're not saved by them. The Greco-Roman world, by the way, at that time, again, I, I love the kind of background here that helps to see this even more. It was filled with religions that required humans to do certain things in order to receive blessings from certain little G gods. Okay? So they, again, Paul knew his audience. He knew what he was saying to them. Okay? And he knew that they would get it. Right? And so, for example, if you needed healing, you could go to the temple of Asclepius and offer sacrifices in order to try to get healed. Okay? So you had to offer sacrifices to get the healing. Right? Um, healing was then given by the little G God in response to human effort. Yet, according to chapter 2, verse 9, our works will not save. Amen. Our hope is not based on wishful thinking or our worthiness, but on God's gracious work in Jesus Christ. One result of this is that we can never boast in our salvation as if we had somehow earned it, right? Somehow had something to do with it. And I love these verses. They're all going to have the same thing. All right? um, so just follow along with me as we look at, listen to the Word of God uh, and read it for ourselves. Romans 11, verse 6. Now, if by grace, then it is not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. If we think it's something we can do, it's not even grace anymore. And that grace stops being grace. Or Galatians 2, verse 16, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, by doing things, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Right? I don't know why I didn't really get that when I was growing up. You know, I was still trying to do stuff, trying to do good things. We go to Sunday school, we go to church every, every time the doors are open. Do, do, do. Second Timothy 1 verse 9 says, I, I think I read this earlier, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our words, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And then Titus chapter 3 verse 5, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Amen? You get the point? I, I keep hitting you. I get, I keep hitting the dead horse or whatever the expression is. I don't know. All right, beating the dead horse. Like, that sounds awful. But anyway, all right, do you all know people who like to brag? Oh, sure. All right, see, whenever you think you had a little bit of something to do with the victory, you got to get a little props, right? you got to say something. Uh, and so, see, there's no room for boasting whenever you know you had nothing to do with it, right? You know, uh, and I can remember times, you know, and I, I play a game growing up or something, and this one kid who did nothing. Oh, he beat y'all. Yeah, she didn't do anything. Like, he didn't play, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why are you bragging? <laughs> anyway, uh, so Romans 3, verses 27 and 28 says, We're then as boasting. It is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by the law of faith, for we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Ryan Chapel said, Grace is of him. Faith is of him. Our union with Christ is of him. 
the works we do are of him, and the intention to do them is of him. So there can be no boasting or pride, but only an acknowledgement of the kindness of the gift of God. Amen. Everything is of him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29 says, God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. See, God doesn't do things the way we expect him to. Got his own, his own way, his own agenda, his own plan. His ways and thoughts are higher than our ways. Charles Spurgeon said, "It is not, it is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee; it is Christ. It is not thy hope in Christ that saves thee; it is Christ. It is Christ's blood in thee." That's it. In Ephesians two verses eight through ten, we see what salvation is, what it isn't, and what salvation looks like. Verse ten. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So as we get to the point number three, if you take a note, what salvation looks like. This is the example part, okay? And I, this is the Lord saying, yeah, this is what this word means, and this is what it doesn't mean. It's the opposite. And now, let me give you an example. And let me show you uh, an example, and then you can really, really get it. I was that person. I had to have an example, you know? Uh, either had to see it. Or do it, you know, like to, or you do the thing to, to get it. Because the example is that we are, let me, just, let me repeat, let me start back over. The example is that we are to be an example because we are saved. Does that make sense? We are to be an example because we are saved. Because, again, to repeat, works or human effort does not contribute to salvation, but those who are saved will manifest good works. Amen? Okay, so three points here in this, in verse 10, okay, and then we'll be done. And, uh, you, you guys will be, be happy, I think. Hopefully not. Uh, it says three points here. We are his workmanship. We are created for good works. And we're all part of his plan. Okay? We are his workmanship. In other words, we belong to him. Amen? Uh, we don't belong to the devil anymore, but to the heavenly and good father. Okay? Uh, Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. Amen? We are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. When you look at the word workmanship, and this is one of those details I think is so beautiful, the word for, the Greek word for workmanship is poema. What does that sound like? Poema. Poem. Oh, poem. Uh, we get our word poem from that. We are God's poetry. That we, we, are gospel. we are his beautiful poem. The Jerusalem Bible translated translated as work of art. We are God's work of art. That's beautiful. Yep. I don't know. I just think that's wonderful. It also means, by the way, this is the other part that I find very interesting. The word also means that which is made a manufactured product. In other words, our, con our conversion is not the end. It's the beginning. Yep. It's a product being made. Uh, it's like, it reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. And we can sing that old song, God's still working on me. Right? Because he still is. Amen? It's kind of the whole idea of, of, of change and, and being an example and, um, and, and you know, doing good works after salvation. kind of reminds me of this, uh, this story. I may have told you before. If I did, it's okay. I think you'll still like it. I think you'll appreciate it. There was a young man named John who received a parrot as a gift. And um, the parrot had a bad attitude. I don't know if y'all have heard this or not. And, and an even worse vocabulary. 
Uh, every word out of the bird's mouth is rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. This is a, a Savior-speaking bird. Right? John tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, playing soft music, and anything he could think of to clean up the bird's vocabulary. Finally, John was fed up, and he yelled at the parrot. The parrot yelled back. John shook the parrot, and the parrot got angry and even ruder. John, in desperation, threw up his hands, and he grabbed the bird and put him in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed. Then suddenly there was a total quiet. Not a peep was heard for over a minute. Fearing that maybe it hurt the parrot, John quickly opened the door to the freezer. And then the parrot calmly stepped out onto John's outstretched arms and said uh, the following, quote, um, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions, sir. I'm sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. John was stunned at the change in the bird's attitude. As he was about to ask the parrot what had made such a dramatic change in his behavior, the bird continued, may I ask what the turkey did? <laughs> What's the deal? Especially with Thanksgiving. <laughs> what did the turkey do? Uh, the thing is, uh, we really, we really, we really should be different, amen. Uh, whenever we give our life to Christ, our desires will change. Your desire, not all of them uh, at one time, but you'll see. I'm sure you can think back of when you gave your life to Christ. You can think of you know, desires that change in your life. You know, um, and, and you'll feel bad about things that you used not feel bad about. You know, um, and, and you're like, why is that? Well, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life working on you, right? And, and choosing you, and tearing off the parts that He wants to change and. You know, and, and that'll be for the rest of your life, amen? Right? God will still keep working on you. Right? And, you'll, and it'll be things years from now that you never thought, you know, we, uh, oh, oh, man, I never thought about that. You know, and God will keep working on you. So the second part is we are created for good works. One of my uh, favorite quotes, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, was, was by um, the famous theologian John Calvin. Uh, he wrote, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. You, you, you know them by their fruits. Amen. Uh, and so good works are the fruit of our salvation, not the cause of it. Not the cause of it. Good works are not incidental to God's plan. They are instead an essential part of his redemption plan for each believer. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Good works are neither an afterthought nor optional in the lives of believers. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know? God created and saved us for the very purposes, purpose of accomplishing good works. You don't believe me here? Uh, look, look with me in the next several verses. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make great, every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Excel in every good work. Colossians 1, 10. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. What we do, that's one of our goals as Christians, amen? All right, is, is to bear fruit in every good work and to grow in the knowledge of God, spend time with Him in His Word and in prayer every day, all right? And we're growing in Him. 2 Timothy 3, verse 17 says, So that the man of God may be complete, what? Equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. And then Titus 2, verse 14, I have several here, guys. He gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to change for Himself. Excuse me, and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager for what? Eager to do good works. 
Titus 3, verse 8, this, this saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. And then Matthew 5, it's okay, Miss, Miss, uh, Miss Ryan. Matthew 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, amen, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Not for you to get the shine, all right? Uh, get your shine on. There's one of the country singers that's saying this one. I can't remember what they say. Anyway, uh, but the point is to point to Jesus. See, I, I read this story. I thought this was really, really cool. The author of Amazing Grace, as we as we wrap up here, I asked Miss Dolores to come up. It was, uh, we're almost done, but the author of Amazing Grace is John Newton. John Newton. His, his epitaph reads as follows. All right, his epitaph reads like this. John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine. Basically, he did whatever he wanted to do. Okay? Living not for God. Okay? A servant of slaves in Africa was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Grace did not free him to serve no master but a new master. Beautiful words on John Newton's epitaph. See, uh, you know, the last point here is it was all part of his plan. This is short one here. You know, you're familiar with Benjamin Franklin's quote, if you fail to plan, you were planning to fail. It was all part of his plan. Romans 8, 29 says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He knew what he was doing from the beginning of time. Amen. From the beginning of time. You can trust him. What about you? See, we can, we can know what salvation is and what it isn't, and we can know some, what it looks like, but knowing about something is very different than possessing it. Amen? It's very different than possessing it. I might know what a turkey is and what it's not. I know it's not ham, which I actually probably prefer a little bit. And, and I, I know what it looks like and everything, but that doesn't make me a turkey. Bad, that's a bad joke. But um, I know what a $100 bill is. I know it's not a $1 bill. I don't have too many of them, but, but I know what it looks like. But um, it's not mine until I take it from somebody. Until they say, here, you want this? And I take it. So it's the same thing until I own it. So like I mentioned before, don't miss heaven by 18 inches. The difference from your head to your heart. All right? Knowing something, knowing about something is not the same as, as truly believing and trusting. Right? So uh, hopefully you're thankful today. You're thankful for salvation. It was very, a very simple message today. I hope that you're blessed by it as a reminder of what salvation is, what it's not, and what it looks like. May we encourage others and, and by our walk, uh, may we point our lights to Jesus. Amen. As we ask Miss Sally to come sing and uh, song of invitation.